Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Welcome to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. Something we've been talking a lot about over the past few weeks is building community and how you do that, the tools you use to do that. And I think, you know, for us, you know, we, we've started to build a little bit of a community around just the CS leadership, you know, folks, and we're trying to take that to the next level. And so we started looking at platforms and, you know, online communities and different tools to be able to do that. But I think we should brainstorm on like what our requirements are for that. And like, what, what is good going to look like? So I have a few things that I've been thinking about that I think are like critical. Um, you know, number one, I, I think there are a lot of communities out there already, right? And I'm for customer success. Let's just say that and the challenge is they're either closed, meaning they're invite only, or you, you know, you can only get into them if you know, you know about them and that kind of thing. So problem number one is that they're closed and, and, and because they're closed, they're pretty small in a community. If you've never heard like the, the Facebook, I think came out with this, you know, a, a while back, but you know, the, the value of a social network is inversely related to like the square of the, of the participants, right? Or not inversely, but it's directly proportional to the number of participants squared, right? So if you have two people, it's four. If you have four people, it's 16. So it, the easy way to say that or think about it is that as the number of participants in a network go up, it gets ex exponentially more valuable. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, what we're looking to do is continue to maximize the participation in a, in a network, right? We have great leadership office hours calls. We want to keep the discussion going after those calls. Cause there's a lot of topics that people want to continue to, to work through. Um, uh, and we need a way to do that to facilitate that you know, in between live events. And so a live event is just a part of the community for us. So anyway, that's my disorganized thought around like how we build a community. But I think this topic also really applies to every vertical SaaS company because um, there, I, I think community is a powerful way to support the, the long tail of your customers. People always ask like, how do we scale customer success to the long tail? I think it's partially community. That's part of the answer and many to many engagement and you being the facilitator of that as a brand, you get credit for it, right? If I'm a SaaS company and I have a forum for, you know, hundreds of my customers that may be smaller in nature to collaborate together, then I get the benefit of that as a brand. Um, but I don't have to have all the answers all the time either as the brand. So anyway, yeah. that's, that's what I want to talk about. Does that make sense? It does. So I think, um, from my perspective, the, I think one of the fundamental things maybe that you see go wrong in communities, or maybe one of the, one of the fundamental flaws is, um, is that you don't, it's like, I almost think about like a garden, like where you have to tend it on a regular basis, right? You need to, um, it's like, you need to tend the weeds, you need to water it, you need to resoil it. Like, so you have to keep feeding it and essentially is the, the crux and I think that where that comes to a problem for a lot of companies is that 
Uh, and I think where you're going with the fact that to support the long tail, it has to become a part of your strategy. And therefore, somebody has to be thinking about it from a day in and day out basis. Somebody has to it own it. Be, yep. It can't be a part-time job. It can't be, uh, you know, it can't just be, hey, I'm going to get maybe five customers to be our champions in there. And I'm going to get five of our CSMs to be champions. And then, you know, it's just going to run itself. Like, I just think that is the, the fundamental challenge and flaw is that you think that's going to happen. First of all, your five customers that you choose, they have day jobs. They're not going to, I mean, as much as they love your product and they love the being a part of something and you asking them and they're flattered about that, they're not going to, they're not going to put that over their job security. Like if, if they had to choose, they're not going to do, they're, you know, they're, they're going to choose their company and doing what they have to do. And then similar to your CSM or whoever, you know, whoever you're trying to get to do that part time, they have a, a responsibility. And so they, they, if they're looking at a renewal or going to engage on your CS platform or your community platform, excuse me, they're going to go choose the renewal, right? They're, they're just always an inherent thing. So I think the first thing is to, is that you have to carve out a position to think about this from a day in and day out perspective. Um, and by doing that, what I think you then do is you put the onus on that person to start thinking about the, the topics that are very hard hitting and that are going to be very actionable for that group. I think that's the other, if I had to move into number two of where I think we've seen maybe communities fall down or maybe where I see it is that it stays too high level. It stays too fluffy. And therefore nobody wants to participate. Cause it's like, I'm not, I don't need to know that I've already, you know, I've learned that through my career. So um, trying to get that community leader to think about what are those hard hitting topics? Um, how do we get action oriented content into that community and generate that type of discussion? Um, and I think that is the, the, the interesting part, because that's where the listening comes in, that that person really has to, to figure out is what are all the listening channels and mechanisms that you can bring in those ideas? Um, and then kind of how do you translate that into thought-provoking, action-oriented type of questions or content that people can engage with in that community? Yeah, I, just to build on that too, and I, I actually was sitting here writing while you were talking, I think a lot of software companies tend to build communities around the almost like a support experience. So it's really tool related and technical in nature, but isn't there, is there more value? And I guess it may be, may be variant by the market you serve, but is there more value or additional value created by broadening that discussion to the business processes that you're trying to implement? Almost think of it agnostically, like your product is not the center of the world, right? The customer is the center of the world and they're, whatever they're trying to accomplish is the center of the world. Yeah. To the degree that your product plays into it, great. But, you know, this really isn't a, a user. There may be a user forum as part of the community, but really it's a broader community about like the practice. Like if we're in, you know, marketing automation, broadly speaking, then there's a, you know, all kinds of topics on how you go talk to your executive team about your initiatives and, you know, how you prioritize the way you spend on marketing or, you know, whatever, whatever the, the business problems are, like that's a whole area. That's maybe the primary focus of the community. Yeah. I think, and I, I think we, you know, the other thing I think maybe we've learned just through this initial experience that we've, you know, kind of been building this, these office hours is generally, I think there is a time and a place for people where they like to listen to thought leaders and they like to listen to industry leaders, but that's not on a regular day in and day out basis. I think that is, I think totally. what, we, what we've learned fairly quickly, right. Is like, they like that and that's good, but they also like to participate and they like to be able to actually share amongst the group and to put out ideas. Um, I think, you know, I think there's an inherent, as you move across your career, I think as you mature as a person, I think you start to lose a lot of the fear about 
uh, I think, you know, putting out an idea that might be bad or asking a question that might be quote unquote dumb, I think you lose that. And so I think what we've learned is in this community is that people are, are a lot more open than you'd really think to offering up an idea, saying how they're attacking a problem, and then actually trying to take that feedback that people are, t are telling them and using that to their advantage. So uh, I think that's just another thing that, to keep in mind is that they do want to engage. It doesn't have to be a, uh, a one-way communication. It really does need to, if it's a community, it has to be a two-way communication that's happening. Um, and, you know, as much, I, I think maybe another thing that I've learned in just the communities that I've engaged with and what I've seen, um, and I'll probably go to my grave saying this, and, you know, I love I love Slack for what it is, and I love the way that we use Slack for our organization, but I think it is a, a bad way to try and engage and use it for a community aspect. I don't know the right tool. I've, I think we're still looking. The jury's still out on trying to figure out what is the right, but I just think when you, when you start thinking about the ethos of a community, right, it's about sharing ideas. It's about being collaborative. It's about being inclusive. It's all of these things, right? And if I can't go back and really look through a thread and, and try and, and have all these things organized in a way that I can actually search them and find them uh, and feel very tangible to me, then I think it loses a lot of its ability uh, to really kind of foster that community and build it over time. Totally. I, I think as we started looking for Slack, the thing that dawned on me, or as we started looking at Slack as a potential tool for the community we're building, it dawned on me that um, even internally at Customer Imperative, the way we use Slack, it's just a chat app with different subjects, right, in the channels. But the thing that it doesn't have is a topic, right? There's a channel which is a broad topic, right? Like we have a channel in Slack for every single one of our customers, right? Or we have a, a channel for our marketing efforts or a channel for, but there's all kinds of topics underneath each one of those things. And then there's some things that are topics that are, that apply to all those things that are their own thing, right? And so that's what community, like a, a true community platform, like something that was meant for community or even like a forum, actually it, it centers around sort of this idea of a topic and then all the conversation relative to that topic, yeah. right? So I think for us, you know, that's where I, I sort of felt, you know, strongly agreed with you that Slack wasn't going to do it, even though we initially thought it was, it was a good idea. I don't think Slack's going to be sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. And, I, and I'm, I'm sure that's... Uh, we love Slack. There's going to be some, right, some Slack homers that come out of the woodwork that are like, hey, you can actually do all of that. Yeah, okay, here, well, here, here we go. So if anybody that's listening to this podcast is using Slack for a community of practice somehow, like, please, like, chime up and, and, and help us understand that. Because maybe it is, maybe there's something we haven't seen. I think the, the challenge is, you know, we use Slack every day but we are not power users of Slack. If you look at how we use it, it's very basic. So yeah. maybe we need some Slack. I'm sure a customer success manager from Slack is going to be reaching out any minute. I don't know. We're probably too small to be on their radar. <laughs> um, so, so if you, um, as you think about this community aspect, right, you've kind of talked about centering it less about your product, more about the processes and more about kind of the ethos of whatever market you're serving really. Um, what are some other, as you think about, if I was a customer success leader, I think now is probably a great time to start a community. So like, how do you even start building this? Like if you, again, I always like to pose this question to you and, and try and get some like hard hitting action. Like what, if you were going to start doing this tomorrow, like what are some of the things that you would probably start doing, you know, steps one, two, three that you would just okay. yeah. start doing it. I like that. That's a good question. So why don't we talk about how we launched office hours? Yeah. One day, you know, we saw Anthony Kanata did this for, we, we copied, right? We didn't, we didn't come up with that idea and that's okay. Like, Great artist steal, I think Steve Jobs said. But we saw him do that. And we said, you know what? That would be a great idea to do for our customer success community. And so we started with, you know, 
basically a post on LinkedIn to gauge interest. Okay. So we, you know, we, we sort of are active out there on that network and, and, you know, people you know, have begun to recognize us a little bit about you know, as being associated with a customer success space. So we first gauged interest, then we started small, right? We, everybody who um, gauged interest, we manually invited them to a meeting that we set up and we said, Hey, we're going to do this for four weeks. We manually invited them. We started with a panel format because that's just what you do, I guess, right? You take, you know, three or four people who are popular in your space and you put them on a quote unquote panel and then you ask them questions and you moderate it. And, you know, it felt more like a webinar the first time we did it. But so step number one is just like start small, get a group together. But the thing we did that I think was really helpful is we asked for feedback immediately after we did that first meeting. We knew we wanted to do four of those meetings. And so we asked for feedback and we said, you know, how could we make this better? I think we did ask an NPS question too. And our NPS was what, Jeff, like 50 maybe, which is, but for a, you know, a small community like that, we thought it could be a lot better. So um, the, the feedback was overwhelming. It's like, that was great, but we want to participate. We want to get in, like engaged in this, in the discussion. So immediately, so number two is ask for feedback and listen to it and adjust what you're doing right? Because the, the communities, if, if there's anybody involved at all, it doesn't matter if it's 10 people to start with. It's, you just sort of cater to what they need, what they want, what they desire to get out of it, and then iterate your approach to, to match that. And so we did. So then we opened up office hours for a discussion. We said, it's going to be risky, right? People are going to come off mute. God only knows what they're going to say. But you know what? Like, that's what the community wanted. And so far, it's been amazing, like very constructive. So start small, Start with a live forum so that you're actually getting feedback. Don't, don't expect, don't build a forum that you think is, is what people want, or maybe you start there with a hypothesis, but quickly listen and iterate. I think that's, that's not a, like a simple one, two, three guide, but that's the way we did it. And I think that's, you know, it's proving successful so far and we'll continue to listen. Like yeah. we've got adjustments we've got to make because it's getting a little bit big now. And I don't know that continuing this office hours format forever is the right approach, but maybe it's one prong to a multi-pronged approach going forward. We'll figure. Yeah. So one of the, I, I think one of the questions, no, you did. No, I think it was good. One of the other questions, one of the other things I think that I would probably put up there at the beginning is you talked about gauging interest is also setting expectations. I think the thing that we did right at the beginning was we said, we're going to run this for four weeks as a test. And I think people also latched on the, to that idea, right? Like yeah. we weren't, I think by us acknowledging that we were going to run it for a certain period of time, set an expectation where they could rely upon it. And then I also think that um, keeping, uh, along the same lines of setting expectations, we've kept the same time on the same day every single week. Yep. I think there's a, I think there's an inherent reliability aspect. And if you can set that expectation, you can just put that in there. That just becomes something that people, again, people like comfort and reliability. They like to understand, you know, they like to plan out their weeks and now they can literally say, Hey, every Thursday I have this from 1130 to 1230, like forever. So, yep. uh, I don't know what format it'll be, but it'll be there forever. So yeah. Um, so I think that's just the other thing about setting expectations and then I'm just going to double down and pile on. I think, um, you know, patting ourselves on the back. I think the, I do think surveying and actually displaying the results back to that group, I think is the other thing that has really, uh, helped resonate. I mean, again, we're talking to, you know, we've got over 400 people signed up. We're talking to hundred leaders every single week and we're, you know, getting survey responses of 60, 70% of, uh, attendees. And I think the best thing that we've done is basically turn that around and say, Hey, we're transparent. Here's what our MPS was for the first one. I think it was a plus 47. Uh, last week it was a plus 94, like, you know, and it's not, you know, I'm not necessarily touting ourselves and saying, Hey, we did all that. But I think just relaying back that information and saying, Hey, we're actually listening to you and we're going to adjust what we're doing. 
I think yeah. is also helpful because people then understand like, hey, you know, I'm not filling out the survey just to, for it to go in the back closet somewhere. Like you guys are actually using it. You've adjusted the format and also you're displaying these results back to us um, about what the other community members are saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think that applies to any community, right? I mean, I think we're lucky that customer success is the customer success community as a whole is just very collaborative. Like it's just newish thing. And so people are genuinely interested to hop in and learn and share. Uh, but you know, I used to work with a company that, um, that we, we sold HR technology to restaurant retail and hospitality. And one of our verticals was convenience store chains. And I mean, that sounds super mundane and it sort of is in some ways, but those guys, they're operational freaks in a good way. Um, and what they do is they have these things called study groups and study groups are basically, there was a company, I can't remember who it was that sort of facilitated all this. Actually, I think it was, a it was an association that facilitated this, but there was a study group was like, okay, we're going to take heads of HR from all these different companies and they're geographically dispersed. So they don't, they don't compete with one another head to head, but we're going to bring together, you know, this 12 person study group of HR leaders in the convenience store industry who are trying to do their craft better. Right. And they bring them together. It had two days worth of workshops. They were like best friends. And like it, it was wildly successful. And they were, these were meetings that people did not miss. Right. It was like their study group. It was like that took precedent over everything because there was so much value and so much learning in those small little communities of practice. So, you know, I, one of the things that, that we're exploring is like, how, does that same technique or that same approach apply in customer success? Like, do we need study groups on a smaller basis to where people can really get together and workshop their problems together, right? Their, the opportunities that they're pursuing together in smaller groups where it's a little safer and a little bit more intimate. So maybe yeah. we layer that on top as well. Yeah. Be I, I'll be interested when we share this podcast, I, I would be interested to hear what ideas that people have about how to do community better. Cause I think we've seen a lot of, I mean, there's some great communities out there in customer success. Um, you know, big events, all events, um, lots of, you know, different, you know, segmented subgroups of folks who work together, you know, Europe, America, like Canada has a lot of participation in these communities, but I don't think we've cracked the code yet on like the best way to collaborate. It seems very all over the place still. And I think, you know, we can, we can, we can build a more cohesive community around this area of practice that we've gotten ourselves into. Yeah. So I think to recap for, I think, you know, one of the things that we're saying is starting community right now, especially is probably just a great thing to, to start thinking about if you're a customer success leader, especially because we think it applies to your long tail of accounts. How do you scale it? You know, there's a many to many approach that really starts to happen. So I think what we talked about was, you know, potentially getting a full-time person to think about that community day in and day out, kind of being that community leader, community organizer, uh, trying to find the right platform, uh, I think is also just a big part of that person's, you know, entry into that job is trying to figure out like, what is the right form and um, how do we start thinking about this from a multi-pronged approach? And then I think if you are starting it, right, it's setting expectations early um, and, and trying to be as consistent as possible it's trying to engage interests from your, from your customer base. Um, and I think you've got, you know, you already have the CSMs that can ask that type of question. You've probably got, uh, you know, some marketing automation that can go ask that question as well. So you need to set expectations. Um, and then I think you need to start small and be iterative in what you're doing. And I think the biggest thing that we're saying too is just ask for feedback and then actually use it um, and, and try and apply it, do something with it, relay it back to the, relay it back to the entire community and into your Maybe it even goes back into uh, people who didn't sign up for the, the community thus far, but it, you know, you still relay that information back. So 
um, you know, and then if you are, if you do have a community, uh, we'd love to talk to you and, and learn more about how you're building it. So reach out to us. It'd be fun. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.